Corbin Carroll has made rookie history. We will get to that in a bit. But for now, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever it is you decide to make Big Sky Sports talk a part of your day, my family and I greatly appreciate it. You found the only podcast in the world completely devoted to the full coverage of the four major franchises of one major market, and that is uh, Phoenix, Arizona. We, uh, we, we do it a little bit differently. We do it from Big Sky Country, Billings, Montana. We also cover ASU football and ASU basketball to go along with it, and all presented by the unofficial presenting sponsor of Mooyah Billings. Yeah, we, we, we got a lot to talk about when it comes to uh, the Diamondbacks and Corbin Carroll. Um, two games to cover today, and I am pretty jacked up about them. Um, but uh, but first, I hope you're doing well. Uh, happy, happy Thursday to you. One step closer to Friday. And uh, we, I know we all get jacked up about uh, that. That's for certain. Um, yeah, uh, not not a lot uh, going on. I had a uh, uh, another late day. Made some overtime money. Um, yet last night for work. Um, not quite as long as my longest. I think my longest. I think I clocked out like a couple minutes before. 8 o'clock today is about, you know, maybe about 10 minutes before 8 o'clock, but still pretty, pretty long. I think both uh, go on um, this upcoming uh, pay period, so that that should be really good. Um, six, uh, um, well, yeah, six hours within just a, uh, um, two two different days of 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 um, time and a half. I think I've had a couple of a uh, couple weeks ago. I had like an uh, like two hours, three days in a row. So that that was six just uh, there. But um, this is not including any any other time and a half that I will I will get. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty, pretty jacked up about, um, making time and a half, you know, might as well, right? No one else will. So I, I, I'll take it as I, as I always say, I'll, I'll take all Walmart's money. So if, if I, uh, if I can, if I have the time to do it or whatever, not, uh, bogged down by anything else. Um, Nothing to to share as far as um, my day or what's going on in my life. I, I am pretty excited about um, the return of uh, of basketball uh, soon. Um, it probably let's see what I, I want to say. I don't think it's in ten days, but I mean if I go to um Phoenix Suns their um Facebook page they posted recently how many 30 well 34 days until Suns basketball 
um, the other day, 35. I think they said KD days until the season starts. So um, still a little ways, but it, it's it's um, below triple digits. It's Well, it's been below triple digits for a while, but um, within the month, you know, just, just a tick over uh, um, the month. Excuse me, something got caught in my throat just um, almost about the same time uh, for yesterday's show. I don't know what in the world is going on. Might need more water or something. And I don't have anything near me right now. Um, I will be getting something during the break. You can uh, bet on that. Um, And then uh, just about two weeks until um, my mom... My sister and I go to Kalispell for for Canvas Conference. I'm super excited about that. Um, so yeah, there's 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 some some things sports wise and you know personally to to be excited and, and fired up about. Um, today, uh, as far as today's show and sound credits, uh, dbacks.com gives us. Um, uh, yesterday uh, afternoon and um, and Tuesday's uh, game um, against the the Giants and uh, um, we'll be talking a sweep and uh, that that's two sweeps in a row and they they swept the homestand with this sweep and then um, from the Arizona Sports uh, Facebook page, we'll have um, Tori Lovello uh, talking about uh, Corbin Carroll. Um, and then uh, uh, azcardinals.com um, gives us uh, Josh Dobbs, Paris Johnson Jr., and uh, Jonathan Ledbetter uh, spoke to the media. And then... Um, The um, Arizona Sports you, uh, YouTube page uh, gives us a um, conversation from that um, Bickley and Murata talk about um, a, a Cardinals conversation that, that they feel like it, how important it is that if somehow the Cardinals can can win at home against the Cowboys. It will uh, um, win over the the heart of the fan or help do that. So they, they kind of talk about that. And I, I would say I'd agree. There's probably going to be a lot more uh, Cowboy fans than uh, uh, Cardinal fans uh, probably or just as much. Um, there shouldn't be more, but, you know, I can understand that those season ticket holders selling their tickets. Um. And then Kenny Dillingham from uh, Sun Devil Source uh, spoke after uh, yesterday afternoon's practice. So um, other than that, I, I, that's that's all I have uh, sound credit wise. Um, I think that that's it. That's everything on, on my mind. I don't think I have anything that's uh, that I've been meaning to to say or talk about. But uh, we will uh, get into. 
some Diamondbacks, and that will be up next on uh, Big Sky Sports Talk. Muya Burgers, Fries, Shakes, and Billings is the unofficial presenting sponsor of Big Sky Sports Talk. There are several Muya locations throughout the United States and a couple of locations internationally. Let's start out with the food. The burgers are fantastic. They have burgers for every lifestyle, vegan, keto, low-calorie, as well as gluten-free. My personal favorite is the Cheddar Bacon Barbecue Burger. Their fries are always fresh, and don't forget about the Muya sauce. You can get a shake to go along with it. Though the food is good, I always leave satisfied, but their customer service is at the top. Rico, he's the general manager of Muya Billings. He and his staff are top-notch. They are located at 2695 King Avenue West in Billings, Montana. So go see my guy Rico. He'll hook you up and tell him I sent you. Muya Billings, the unofficial presenting sponsor of Big Sky Sports Talk. Two Diamondback games to talk about. And uh, the Diamondbacks, as I said, sweep the homestand and sweep the Giants. Um, eight to four and then seven to one uh, yesterday afternoon. Uh, and Corbin Carroll, we'll get into more of him. Um, but yesterday afternoon uh, became the first um ever as a rookie to in MLB history to record 50 stolen bases and 25 home runs and it's the speed not just from him but from the entire lineup that uh, on on the base paths that uh have caused opponents to make errors and uh the Dimebacks will likely continue to add that pressure and uh it makes them a pretty formidable opponent in playoff time and uh, having said that they they're they're one of the hottest teams in baseball right now so uh the the statement from Dan and Vince that I played during yesterday's show uh, is looking more and more true that that right now that no one wants to play these guys because of how they're playing and how they're winning games. But first, uh, eight to four victory. It was um, a pretty solid game. Um, why not? I say solid. It was okay. Um, but good enough for the win. Uh, Zach Gallon, five innings pitched, six hits, all four of the runs that the Giants would score get tagged to uh, Zach Gallon. Uh, so lets you know that the uh, bullpen was fantastic. Um, but before Gallon exits. Um, he obviously pitched the requisite amount to earn the win, and then 
he left when he left the Diamondbacks were winning. So uh that that's that's all you need. He had three walks and six strikeouts, three point six zero ERA. Castro pitched an inning, had a strikeout, four point five five. South Frank remains perfect. Pitched an inning, walked one, but zeros across the board, including his ERA. Ginkle pitched an inning. Um had a walk and a strikeout, 2.15 ERA. And Seawald shut it down with two strikeouts. Uh, zeros everywhere else. 3.17 ERA for Seawald. Corbin Carroll, two for four. Quintel uh, Marte went four for four. Tommy Pham, two for four. Uh, Christian Walker, 0 for four. Alec Thomas, one for four. Lourdes Guerrero Jr. as a DH, one for four. Gabby Moreno, 0 for 2. Jace Peterson, 1 for 4. And Perdomo, 2 for 4. Um, Diamondbacks, 8 runs on 13 hits, no errors. And the Giants, 4 runs, 6 hits, and 2 errors. Uh, Zach Allen with the win, and Cobb with the loss. And here is how it all went down. This is the right venue for Zach Gallen. We showed you before he's been outstanding here at Chase Field this season. Three of his last four starts have been subpar by Zach Gallen standards. Maybe put a dent in his Cy Young hopes, but, uh, you know, with three really good starts to end the season, he could jump right back into that Cy Young race. Swing, there's a line shot to right field, and just in front of the right field of Corbin, it goes under his glove. It rolls all the way to the wall. Here comes Wade to second, turns the corner, heading for third. Here comes the relay by Marte, the slide, safe throw was dropped anyway by the third baseman, Peterson. So Lamont Wade, I think he started out as if it were going to be a single, and then he realized, man, I could make it to third on this one. So he accelerated, and he did make it, but just barely. Giants get a break, and here is Yaz to try and knock him in. Left-handed hitter swings and hits a high fly ball along the left field line, moving laterally. To his right, Tommy Pham right at the foul line, makes the catch. Here's the tag. Here comes the throw to the plate, bouncing, bouncing, bouncing the slide. Safe! Not a real strong throw by Pham, who does have a pretty strong arm, but he bounced that one about six times right along the third base line. And by the time it reached the plate, Wade had just slid across in time. Peterson, we know, does really well against right-handers, but against Gallon, two for 21. Swing, there's a high drive, deep center field, really struck. Deep, still going, way back there. Adios, Pelota! That hit the little outcropping above the 400-foot sign, or the 407 marker in straightaway center, 25 feet up. There's a little ledge, and he hit the top of that above the yellow line. That made it a home run, and it's 2-0 Giants. Start number 28, 7-6 with a 3-6-2 ERA. Cobb, 35 years old. He's in his 13th year at the big league level. That works. Good start for Corbin. Punches it right into left field. The leadoff single off Cobb. Of we've got Cattell now coming off a big weekend against the Cubs Sunday on national TV. Base hit. Oh, the look is working. Corbin rounding second. He'll head for third. Diamondbacks trying to answer right back. Telling you, Cattell's in a great spot right now. On the corners, nobody out with Tommy Pham at the plate. And we'll avoid this. Corbin's going to come home and score. And they get only the out on Marte at second as Pham is safe at first. Big chopper. 
Estrada cuts it off and throws him out. Damages a run. So both teams score in the first. Giants lead two to one. Well, this is the inning where you like to see Zach really kind of settle down, get himself into a groove. Call strike three from Adam Beck. Second strikeout for Gallon. Curveball just off the outside corner, but they get the benefit of the doubt. And Bailey takes strike three, and he knew it. Nothing he could do about it. And Gallon's three strikeouts have been in a row. Conforto looking at end the first inning. Hanniger and Bailey both looking to end, uh, first two outs of the second inning. And check. Back to the curveball. Gallon strikes out the side in the second. He's punched out four in a row. This is a bat they need to get going. Geraldo is really fighting it right now. Moreno at first with two outs. Romo squirts it along the left field line. Henniger won't get there. It drops in for a hit. Moreno's in at third. Perdomo standing at second base. Geraldo Perdomo perfectly placed by the Diamondbacks shortstop. And that'll snap that 0 for 25. They've got two runners in scoring position for the top of the order in Corbin Carroll. Lease it gives them the lead right here. Corbin Singleton scored his first time up. Base hit. Here comes Gabby. Here comes Perdomo. Corbin Carroll gives the D-backs the lead. He's two for two. I love to see that from Corbin Carroll. That's where the weakness is in the defense when he's at the plate. Two on, two outs, two runs home, and here comes Tommy Pham. Here they go. Bailey throw to third. It kicks away. Here comes Corbin. He's going to try to score. Wild throw, he's home. Here comes Marte, and they all have scored. Pressure, pressure, pressure. Love it. Mentioned the Giants lead the world in errors this season. Put the pressure on it. Make them make plays. He's done for the night. Alex Cobb will leave the ball game with that bad left hip. He, you can see him limping off the field. He gutted it out and did the best he could, but he's going to have to come out of the game. Here is called strike three. A sinker on the inside. Moreno's complaining and whining and shouting and now he slams his bat down. He's just a real happy camper. Bases full of Diamondbacks and nobody out. Chance for Catello is single and walk. Bounces it through. Peterson scores. Perdomo will score. Corbin into third. Marte! Out at second, but two runs come across. And it's seven to two. Gallon pitches per inning, 11 in the second, 10 in the third, coming off a 15 pitch fourth. Crawford's got a base hit. One big chopper over Walker. Anniger will get to third easily. Well, sometimes that hard ground giveth, sometimes it taketh away. At that time, second it giveth. Base. And now the bases are loaded. You get Lamont Wade up there, who has hit the ball very hard both times. The pitch to him. He swings, and it's a high fly ball to right. Carroll is going to catch this one. He's back shy of the warning track. He's under it. He's got it. Tagging from third, heading home. Hanniger also tagging from second. Crawford goes to third. And now it's 7-3, to three, Arizona. And for the second time in the inning, he's loaded the bases. Second walk in this inning for Zach. And here comes Wilmer Flores. The 3-1 to Wilmer Flores. And Gallon has walked in a run. Three walks in the inning. He's walked three of the last four. Jock Peterson is the hitter. Two home in this fifth inning for the Giants. Now 7-4. to four. Come on now. There it is. Anna Beck says you're out. Six strikeouts for Gallon, who walked three in the inning. Giants get two to make it 7-4. Alec Thomas starts off the fifth. He backs about hit the Giants 8-6. They lead it 7-4. Alec 
trying to split the gap. Nostremski in pursuit, and he won't get there. It gets to the wall. Alex at second. He's headed for third. Alex Thomas is in there with a triple. Boy, well, Yaz laid out. Do or die. And it got behind him to the wall. Hanniger was out there backing up to make it close. Moreno has been hit by a pitch and scored a run. He struck out Wookiees last time. This will get the run in. Conforto backing up. Alex at third. Here he comes. RBI for Moreno and make it eight to four. Gabriel Moreno does what he does. Get that ball to the right side somehow, this time deep enough into right field that Alec Thomas is able to tag and score on Michael Conforto. And the Diamondbacks take an eight to four lead. Two on walk to Peterson. Conforto 0 for three. Conforto gets into one. Center field, Alec Thomas under the home run porch. And Alex got another one. Alec Thomas, a thing of beauty. How does he do it every time? Thomas a smile and a pirouette in center. Paul Seawall comes in 63 appearances between the D-backs and the Mariners. Got him. Paul Seawall the one two three ninth with a couple of strikeouts win number 80 for the Diamondbacks and they have won four in a row and the season series with the Giants on the line tomorrow. Right now it's tied at six apiece. Well um Somewhat of a rough game. Well, not somewhat. It was probably a rough game for uh, Zach Allen. Um, walked uh, home, walked in a run, loaded the bases uh, twice, uh, most of it via the walk, and uh, but he gets the win. And uh, I mean, I feel like in aggregate, you know, he's frustrated with his performance, but then he, you know, he gets the win, and, and you know, obviously, but he he's one of those guys, and we don't have him um, as far as a, um, a a cut of sound, but he, he's one of those guys that, that demands a lot from him from himself. So, um, no doubt that he would have liked to have some of those throws back. But uh, um, the throwing errors would not get any better for the Giants as they would have, well, one more. Um, yesterday afternoon, Diamondbacks win 7-1. Giants um, score first. In the first inning, giving up a home run, but nothing else from then on. Merrill Kelly was uh, fantastic. Six and two-thirds, three hits, the one earned run via the solo shot. Three walks, five strikeouts, 3.37 ERA. Thompson uh, pitched uh, the remainder of that inning. Uh, so a third of an inning gets the strikeout, 4.05 ERA. Uh, Frias uh, pitched an inning, walked one, struck out one, 3.81 ERA. And uh, Kyle Nelson shuts it down with an inning and, and uh, gets the strikeout, 3.86. Um, it was Corbin Carroll who had a historic night for multiple reasons. The stolen base to make it 50, the home run to make it 25, he went four for five, drove in three runs, had the RBI, just absolutely fantastic. What you know, there's so much we can say about Corbin Carroll. Uh, Cattell Marte also had a home run. He was one for four. Tommy Pham as a DH, unfortunately, zero for five. Christian Walker three for four. 
Alec Thomas, one for three. Uh, Lourdes Gurrillo Jr., one for three. Um, Moreno, three for four. Uh, Rivera, one for four. And uh, Perdomo, 0 for four. Diamondbacks uh, had seven runs on 14 hits, no errors. And the Giants, one run on three hits and the error. And uh, wouldn't you know it that it was uh, um, created by some pressure, pressure, pressure on the bases. And uh, mainly Corbin Carroll's 50th steal. Final meeting with the Giants this year. This season series deadlocked at six wins apiece. And so the winner of this game this afternoon earns the tiebreaker if it's down to that come playoff time. So there's something a little extra to play for here today with Merrill Kelly making his 28th start. And this D-backs dynamic duo up top of Zach Gallant and Merrill Kelly hasn't been quite as sharp lately as we're used to, including last night. And now Merrill looks for reverse course this afternoon. Yeah, Merrill had a tough one against the Mets on that last road trip. The D-backs took an 11 to 1 loss. He pitched five innings in that game, gave up seven runs on six hits. So hopefully better stuff for Merrill today, better command for Merrill today. Wade had really good at bats in the game last night, and he comes in hitting 264. High drive. Right field. And out of here. And that's how this game gets started. A leadoff home run for Lamadway Jr. Carroll went all the way back. There was some doubt as to whether he'd be able to catch it or not until the very end. And uh, as he got to the wall, it was futile. Over the wall home run. One to nothing, Giants. So here's Mike Yastrzemski. Mike Yastrzemski has. Three doubles, a triple, and three home runs lifetime against Merrill Kelly. Inside and low, and he walked him. Fastball missing. The home run followed by a walk. And now J.D. Davis, the first right-handed hitter to come up for the Giants in this one. That's better changeup, and he gets a swing and a miss for his first out. Better movement, better location. Started right at the bottom of the zone and then just drops down and in as J.D. Davis swings right over the top. One out for the D.H. Jock Peterson, who homered in the first inning last night off Zach Gallen. Swing of the chopper. The second baseman, Marte, in that hole already there to cut it off. Cut that ball off. Throws over to second to Perdomo covering for the force out on Yastrzemski. Well, Jock got a 3-0 count and he swung at it, but the last thing you want to happen to hit a ground ball. So Jock is at first now with two down, and here is Conforto. He skies this one to center. Hits it pretty well. Back on it goes Thomas. In front of the wall out there, he's got it. And that'll retire Conforto and then the inning. On the hill today for the Giants will be the 26-year-old four-year veteran, Logan Webb. 10-12 on the year, but look at the ERA. 3.31, 183 strikeouts against 29. He's quality. He hasn't had much run support, which is reflected in his win-loss. Corbin uh, got the diebacks off and running into the first inning last night with a base hit, scored a run. He doubled home two in the uh, second inning. Then he and Marte pulled off a double steal and both scored on an errant throw. 
Bounces one up the middle. And it trickles into right center. Corbin's aboard. Let the chaos ensue. As Cattell Marte comes up. Coming off a four-hit night for Cattell. Swing and a miss. He struck it out. That was a changeup, and that was nasty. Here's Tommy Pham now with Carroll at first one out of the inning. Pham is hitting 266. 16 homers, 63 RBIs between the Mets and the Diamondbacks. He's hit six homers, knocked in 27 with Arizona. 0-2 on Pham. There goes Corbin. And Bailey can't pick it up. That's 49 stolen bases for Corbin Carroll, the likely National League Rookie of the Year. Didn't get it locked in, so Carroll's got number 49. And a ground ball to the right side. Estrada goes to his left, fields it. Throws on to first to get Pham, but on the play, Carroll takes third. He'll be there with two men out. And Walker coming to the plate. Here's a guy the Diamondbacks really need to get going. No doubt about it. He is. You could tell that you know, he's been really frustrated at the plate. I mean, overall, having a really nice year, but as of late, really struggling with you know, being able to drive runs in. And he's gotten his batting average up to 270. He's at 257. That's bounced to third. That's a fair ball. Tough throw for J.D. Davis. And Walker beats it out. Corbin's home, and we're tied. The RBI for Christian Walker. That's his 94th. Well, just a chopper down there. Davis playing third base in this game, and he goes to the line. He doesn't even use his glove. He bare hands the ball. He's in no throwing position at all and just kind of casts the ball across the diamond. And there's no chance he's going to get anybody. So an infield single to tie the game. And that stolen base for Corbin Carroll, a key part of how they were able to get it. Swing and a miss. He struck him out with a slider. The inning is over. Well, just like last night, Corbin Carroll has base hits in his first two at bats. And this might be number 50 coming up right here. There goes Corbin. The throw from Bailey is into center field. And that's 50 for Corbin Carroll, who's in at third standing up. 50 for the rookie. Corbin Carroll's at third. Cattell Marte's at first. One out, tied up 1-1 in the third. And he chops one towards short. DeYoung's got it, the out at second, the play at first, not in time. Pham will reach on the fielder's choice. Carroll will score his single run of the ball game, and the Diamondbacks get the lead 2-1. to one. Five hits for the Diamondbacks. Corbin Carroll, two for two. Christian Walker, two for two. Alex struck out to win the first. And a base hit into right. In the score is Pham. Thomas on his way to second. He'll get in there with a double. And now it's 3-1. to one. All right, Corbin Carroll, a perfect three for three today. He has swiped two bases to get him 50 on the year. And he leads off here against Ryan Walker and hits the first pitch to deep right field. Back of the warning track, back of the wall. Have a day, Corbin Carroll. His 25th of the season. And it's 4-1 Arizona. Wow, is this kid something? He's got 25 home runs and 50 steals, and he's just doing it all today. Not that often where you have a game where you feel like one guy is beating you, but that's what it feels like today. Well, a little more breathing room here, up 4-1 to one now. Diamondbacks looking for their fifth consecutive win. Marte sends one toward the corner. Cattell Marte, and it's gone. They go back to back. What a combo at the top of this Diamondback lineup. Gabby's got two on and two out here in the seventh inning. Gabby up the middle. That's by Estrada. Walker's going to come home. McCarthy running for Gurriel's at third. And it's 6-1 to one, the RBI for Gabby. That's his third hit today. And now 
the batter is Rivera. He's hitless in the ball game. Up the middle, that'll get one more home. McCarthy scores the RBI for Rivera. A four-run seventh, and it's seven to one. And now Patrick Bailey with two down and nobody on here in the ninth inning. Seven to one. Arizona out in front of the Giants. Line to left. Corbin Carroll has there, and the Diamondbacks sweep the Giants. It's a perfect 5 0 homestand, and they'll take a five game winning streak into Yankee Stadium on Friday. That's exactly what they needed to do. There's no question about it. Um, so, super, super exciting stuff. Absolutely. Um, let's, uh, let's hear from uh, Tori Lovello. Um, talking about, you know, just Corbin Carroll, just what, uh, um, what it means to, to have a guy like that to, you know, the, the guy that is Corbin Carroll, you know, not, not just the, what he's doing on, on the baseball diamond, but just all of it. He's an unbelievable talent, right? And he brings a certain edge to the game, um, because of his precision, because of his athleticism, but he combines it all and goes out there and makes plays and does things and times it right. It's just, it's hard to, it's hard to um, explain when that clicks for somebody, right? I don't know, I don't know when it clicked for him, but it was certainly clicking last year when he got to us, and he's just gotten even better at at the timing of everything that he does, and that's hard to do for a 22-year-old player, um, and. He he can carry us like he did today. That's for sure. Corbin is an unbelievable baseball player. So I think it was 25 and 50 today, right? Um, and that's the first time in the history of Major League Baseball. I mean, for a rookie. Um, I mean, come on. What are we talking about here, right? Like, he's he's talented, but getting better. That's all he's. That's all he wants to do is just get better every single day, and that's what makes him so incredible. He. Yeah, I mean, just. He he's he's quickly moving himself up into, you know, one of one of the how I say the greatest uh, Diamondback, but I mean top top ten top I don't want to go top five, but you know between ten and fifteen somewhere in there. I, I struggle to do it because when you you know list all the Diamondbacks that that, that have played, but especially since he's you know. Homegrown, not I say homegrown because not being from here, but or from Arizona, but you know coming up through the ranks, um, not someone that was, uh, you know started somewhere else and then traded, um, but kind of, you know, grown grown up through the through the minors and and. Uh, He's he's moving up up there for for certain, um. So like like they said, sweep the homestand and take a five uh five straight wins into um the uh, um Yankees Stadium uh for the weekend Friday Saturday and uh, Sunday. Uh, an off day today uh, for for travel and whatnot, but uh, they are six and four in their uh, last uh, ten. 
and winners of five straight. Um, not the hottest team in Major League Baseball. Um, Toronto's also won five. Uh, San Diego has won seven. They they desperately need to keep continue to do that, but for as long as is close between Cincinnati, Miami, Chicago, and and Arizona, um, both the Giants and the Padres have uh, a lot of winning to do, and and they're running out of time. Uh, Diamondbacks are now eighty one and seventy two, one and a half. Uh, above the uh, Cubbies, and that's exactly uh, what what you want. Cubs are um, a half game uh, ahead of Miami and a full game ahead of Cincinnati and three games ahead of San Francisco and four and a half ahead of uh, the Padres. Um, you know, it, it still could swing either way but uh this is exactly what i was hoping for exactly what uh what you want going into um into new york and uh with that it let's see uh it'll be on espn plus and i will definitely be watching it um right now brandon fought and uh new york hasn't decided who who they want um Matchup predictor has the Yankees winning sixty point four to thirty nine point six. I I don't know. I guess maybe because they're at home. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe because I don't know. New York has still a little bit to fight for, but of course, so so do the Diamondbacks. I mean, they're they're trying to to. Uh, keep the lead that they have so i don't know i don't know why that is uh, a lot of media hasn't been too high on uh, the yankees this year um and right now everybody is uh when i say everybody but majority is is uh, especially after uh yesterday they that are talking about these diamondbacks so it, it's a they they found themselves in a good spot. Let's just say that. Um, we'll go ahead and move to uh, Cardinals, and that will be up next on Big Sky Sports Talk. A couple of players uh, spoke to the uh, media yesterday, um, and uh, one of them uh, being Josh Dobbs. Uh, the other Paris Johnson Jr. and the other uh, Jonathan Ledbetter. Uh, we will uh, start with Josh Jobs uh, um, coming uh, up here in a second. But before we do, um, I'm not going to play it because there's really not much to it. But Kyler Murray uh, posted a video on his TikTok of him um rehabbing and working out in in the facility and doing some uh some squats um uh holding a um I don't, I don't know how heavy um looked to be 65 or 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 better of a dumbbell uh out in front of him uh while doing squats and then 
um, just before he ends the video, he said, soon. So that's one thing uh, a lot of people are talking about right now, uh, that uh, Kyler uh, should be back, as he says, soon, and is itching to get back. He used the video to kind of thank all those that uh, have been on his side, all those that believe in him and support him. And he said he's going to do everything he can not to let, um, he said us down. So obviously he's including him himself in the, uh, in the conversation. He also, you know, talked about how, uh, or not talked about, but, you know, um, just like the, any of those other TikTok videos that, you know, um, have like, uh, not really subtitles of what's being said but just words that flash on the screen as the uh, um, video is going. And he said, uh, you know, tore my ACL this many months ago. Hardest thing I ever had to do, stuff like that. So um, he he is really itching to get back. And, and I think... Um, I think after, uh, it, you know, that he'll be off of Pup after the these four weeks... He's, he has to be, um, you know, since he started on Pup uh, the season, it has to be a bare minimum of four weeks. I think he, I don't know if he'll play week five because um, he have, hasn't been able to practice. I, I mean, you know, playbook-wise, he's, you know, he's been able to study the playbook, of course. So he knows the playbook. He just hasn't been able to practice the playbook and and so I you know we had that conversation before that Wolf thinks he'll he'll be ready to go week five. I'm thinking between still between six and eight. Um, if you believe Kyler Murray soon, um, maybe I don't know if that means I'll be on the field soon. I'll be off of pup soon. You know I'll be ready to go soon. I don't know. You know what what and somebody would argue. Well, you know, isn't it all those? Not necessarily. You know, he, he can be off a of pup, but still not be on the field. He can be on the practice field, you know. So, there, there's, you know, I, I, I feel like it's near an end, but we still have a, still have a little ways to go. Um, but, uh, so that, that should be exciting. But for now, Josh Jobs is, is still the starting quarterback. And, uh, as I said, spoke to the media. DJ, I told DJ I'll at least wear it into the presser. I'm not gonna wear it for the presser. So can't 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 rock them for the presser, but at the least get a pitch trainer or something. So, Josh, you uh, you said last week you expected to make a pretty big jump on offense. It looked like you and the offense did do that. I know you didn't finish the way you wanted, but did it feel significantly different in game? It did. Yeah, it did. We definitely caught a rhythm very quickly. Um, you know, just looking back at the game, like I wish we were able to finish off that first drive. We obviously had the big shot um, to urge down the sideline. Wish we came up with points, but after that we responded. You know, two touchdown drives back to back, and then going down and putting up 20 points in the first half is really good in an NFL game. Um, and then coming out in the second half, knowing uh, when they went down and scored quick to start the half, how we answered on offense and were able to go down, sustain a drive, put eight points on the board, um, and really continue a rhythm throughout the game. Um, so it was really good to take that next jump, and now it's you know finishing off the game, especially when we have the ball in our hands and are able to keep our defense on the sideline and finish out the game with possession of the football. Did everything you 
everything after that last touchdown feel any different than everything before that last touchdown? Uh, no, I would say, um, you know, I, like, so we had the last touchdown. The next drive we had, um, we drove it again. We had a block in the back that kind of set us back, but we overcame it um, on a big third down and long conversion. Uh, then to start um, the fourth quarter in second and 11, and we get um, a DPI penalty picked up, right? So, um, you know, we were still rolling. And then it's, um, as I said on Sunday, man, like just simple execution, right? You know, the, the next two drives, uh, we never got the drive started. And all we need to do is get the drive started. We feel like we'll be able to open up the offense and run what we, what we have been doing throughout the day and continue moving the ball efficiently. So um, it's, it's you know, the simple execution, right? And you never know throughout the game when that's going to come back and bite you if you're not executing at a high level. And so that's been my sentiment to the offense is when we do execute, when we do um, what we're coached to do, when we do what we talk about all week, you know, we're a really difficult offense to stop. And so let's do that throughout the entire game and we know what type of football we can play and how much points we can put on the board. Is this week, I mean, this is the first time you've had a chance to start three games in a row in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, is this, this is week, do you feel it a little, a little bit just in terms of maybe your comfort level, like you're, you're finally being able to be in a groove after all this time? Yeah, no, it feels good. Like the comfort level, just coming out to practice, right, and um, dive into a new game plan with the guys and continue to be able to build upon the success that we had um, last weekend, it does feel good, um, as you said, you know, to have now go into your third week of that, even though um, coming here like after camp and stuff, but being able to get those sustained reps in the huddle with the guys, it's um, really starting to gel together. You know, of course, we have really good defense coming into town this weekend. Um, and so we're going to have to be on our P's and Q's and, and play our A game, just like we have to do every single week. So um, we're prepping, prepping for that. But the comfort level is growing. Um, very quickly, and that's good to see. On your touchdown run, uh, what, what, I'm curious what you were thinking when you saw the DB there waiting for you near the goal line, and you decided to just stick it right to him. <laughs> um, I, I was so, you know, when you break the pocket as a quarterback, they were, I knew they were in man coverage, just we had a man zone tell, um, just in our formation alignment. Um, so I knew they were in man coverage. So when I broke, um, the pocket, you know, I knew there was no one counting for the quarterback, just had to outrun the mic, and so you have to get a full steam ahead. And then, you know, obviously earlier in the game, I, I broke out the pocket, slid, right, you know, 70 more yards to run. But that, you know, when you get inside the five-yard line, it's hard to turn away from getting in the end zone. So I, did, I, didn't, I didn't know if it was going to – most some guys go low, some guys, like, they stay high, so you have to try to slow down for a second to figure out what the defender's going to do, then that's going to – make my decision on how I'm going to get into the end zone. Uh -huh. Yeah, but they, once, once you stay high, you, you have to initiate it, you know? It's like, it's like uh, simple physics, right? You know, a body in motion stays in motion, and you gotta apply, apply more force than, than the opposite force coming at you. So uh, we're, we're able to do that and get in the end zone. Did you, did you, do you think you benefit? You mentioned how you slid earlier. Do you, do you think there was any part of the defender that wasn't sure if you might slide or not? <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe. I, I, that might have been the same player. I think it was. It was their free, saf free safety. Um, so, yeah, maybe got him on the heels, make, make him think a little bit, you know. But at the end of the day, like, you get the ball that close in the end zone. Like, the pr previous week we came here, we talked about when we get in the red zone, we need to score touchdowns. And so when it's one-on-one -on, -one on the goal line as a quarterback, it's like, all right, Let's, let's, let's get this ball in the end zone now and not have to worry about doing it on the next play.
practice that with quarterbacks kind of being off limits? Um, that's a good question. I mean, probably like I don't. I haven't had. I mean, I ha maybe like preseason. I may have had not this preseason, but past preseasons. Maybe had a couple uh, runs, but like nothing like that. But it's like football. Like playing. Fo I've been playing football since I was five, and so when you. I've been playing quarterback since I was six. And when you're six, you're not like you're throwing the ball, you know? Like, no six-year-olds out here throwing for 200 yards on a Saturday. You know, we're just running Q sweep left and right. And when you get to the goal line, it's like, go score. Like, get the ball past the end zone. So uh, I guess it just comes down to basic football fundamentals, you know? I wouldn't say, obviously, as a quarterback, you're not sitting here practicing, you know, trucking drills and stuff, even though last year I did have like uh, the top trucking on Madden. So I was, so maybe my Madden trucking goes up, goes back up to the top QB spot, we'll see. But yeah, you just, it's just competitive. You want to get in the end zone at the end of the day. Yeah, the conversion too, where you- The conversion too, yeah. See in the conversion, they went low. So they go low, you have to go high, you know? It's just, you don't want to do opposite. Whatever, they're diving, you want to, you want to get above them and get the ball in the end zone. Was I sore? I mean, yeah, you're sore. You're, you're always sore after a game, you know, um, because there's all. It's always, you know, the, the hits that you don't feel or don't see. You know, I got popped on a scramble, so felt that one in the morning. But it's part of the game, man. Like um, soreness feels good. You know, I've been, I've not been sore for a long time, so to be sore feels, feels pretty. It's pretty refreshing now. So when you're squaring up the guy at the goal line, are you thinking like, don't go into him with your Throwing shoulder, like, is that going through your head, or are you just like? I feel like, I feel like you guys are overthinking this. <laughs> there's, there's really, the, it's, the, it's the simplest. I just like, hey, like, there's the end zone. Whatever it takes to get this ball in the end zone in my hands, that's it. Yeah, what, whatever happens from there is going to happen. You know, jump, dive, go through them, whatever it is. Like, we, got, we just got to get, get it in the box. Yeah. Have you been, like, studying film on, like, a person? It's been good, man. They do a they do a really good job in their scheme with Dan Quinn moving him around. You know, he's inside, he's outside. Um, last year, he was lining up at linebacker. You know, you have to figure out where number eleven is going to be um, in the run game, in the pass game, in the protection game. So, um, yeah, so that's what we're diving into. Where they what what's kind of his plan? First, second down. All right, third down. How are they getting him? And ideal spots to rush the passer, and you know how we how we can try to neutralize that as as an offense. Three four weeks ago, you were introducing yourself to these guys, and then to have that touchdown run and to see the celebration amongst the linemen and on the sidelines. What did that kind of mean to you? It was cool. Yeah, I mean, it's really cool to see your teammates rally behind you, right? Um, you know, as I said from the beginning, for me. Uh, for me, my, my uh, mentality is always just to be me, right? Come in, lead uh, with my own personality, uh, get to know one new guy as, I, as quickly as I can each and every day um, in my free time, sitting down breaking bread or in the weight room or in the training room, wherever it may be. Um, so it's really good getting to know, know my teammates and seeing us rally together. Um, obviously, at the end of the day, you know, we're here to win football games, and that's what we're striving to do each and every week. Um, and part of that is building that team chemistry. And so we will continue to do that as quickly as we can, as rapidly as we can, because we have a good slate of opponents, starting with the Cowboys this weekend. Um, and so the, the more we can gel together, come together, continue to work and grow together as a team, it's only going to help us on Sundays. As you mentioned, there's a lot of time spent on Micah Parsons. But what else about the Cowboys' defense is really good in your mind? 
Yeah, so obviously they have 11 and they have 90 as well, Demarcus Lawrence. So they have two really good rushers. Um, in their secondary, they have guys that have been there for a while. I know they just added uh, Gilmore, but you obviously have Diggs, who's uh, elusive in the secondary. You have to know where he is. Um, and so they, they just have a really good um, personnel that's played a lot of football in Dallas, has played in that scheme that have gelled well together for a couple of years now. And so when, as I said, you know, just like when we played Washington, it's very similar, you know, when you have um, a team that's been together for a while, especially on the defensive side of the ball, um, you know, they understand the looks that they're going to get. They understand, um, you know, where their deficiencies may be. Um, and so they look to defend those, right? And so as an offense, it's executing. Um, it's trying to give them different looks, and it's, you know, at the end of the day, just going out and playing high-level football um, and being aggressive, as aggressive as we can be as an offense. What do you think meant to this offense through two weeks, especially last week after 100 yards? Yeah, it was great to see him tote the rock. Obviously, he started off early with the first run of the day, and it really continued throughout the day. He did a great job for us. Going down the red zone, running the ball in, that's really difficult, especially against the Giants. And um, he'll continue to grow, man. Any, any way we can get the ball in his hand, um, in the run game, but also out the backfield. He does a really good job of not only making guys miss, but getting those dirty yards that you don't always see in the runs, but you know, we, the pile's moving forward, right? He, he's getting those extra two, three, four, five yards, finishing those runs. And as an offense, that keeps the chains moving, that keeps us in second and manageable, third and manageable, and keeps us on the field. And so the more we can get the ball in his hands, man, the more plays he's gonna be able to make for us. With all you've been through in your career, what, six years now, in different teams, in practice squad, not practice squad, backup, what's kept you motivated to get to this point, and how good does it feel to finally be in this position? Yeah, I, um, JG kind of hit on it today, but it's, always, it's been uh, with the team, but it's really just been my mentality is just trusting the process. Um, that's the biggest thing. I think um, we live in a world where a lot of people are so result-oriented and um, you know, they work for the result and they don't work to be, to love the process. And what I've learned throughout my career is I just have fallen in love with the process, you know, of the process of waking up each day, being the best person I can be, being the best quarterback I can be, um, coming into the facility, preparing the best I can, um, staying in the moment, right? Today's Wednesday, focusing on the first and second down game plan. When Thursday come, focusing on the third down game plan and pushing forward and just really loving the process. And, you know, I learned that, you know, if you trust in that process, you trust in your process, um, you'll be prepared for the opportunities that come your way. You know, when we play quarterback, there's only 32 of them in the world, you know, and, um, that really puts things in perspective because there's a lot of guys vying for those positions. And so to be one of 32, man, it's a blessing. Obviously, still have a lot of work to do and um, a lot of successes to come. Um, but trusting in that process and staying in the moment has really gotten me to where I am today. And um, that's just been my mindset, you know, since I stepped in the league. And I'll continue to have that mindset. And I'll be ready for every opportunity um, that the game of life and the game of football throws my way. Said, Screw it. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, there are like there are dark moments, right? I would be I would uh, be lying if I said there weren't, right? There's there's moments, you know. I got injured in uh, preseason, my fifth year, and not knowing what the roster was, how it was going to shake out in Pittsburgh that year. Uh, most of my first time getting injured in my life, you know, and so like just going through that process of uncertainty, you know, coming off. 
you know, we had COVID the year before, no preseason tape, right? Then getting injured in the preseason, not getting a lot of tape, and just having really to just say, like, hey, like, you know, I've been in Pittsburgh for five years. I think it's time to go out on a limb, go somewhere else, and see what opportunities are out there. And I really think, you know, that decision has gotten me the opportunities from last year in Cleveland to down in Tennessee um, to even now here, you know, just trusting in myself, trusting in my process, and then trusting in who I am that, you know, no matter what the odds are or the circumstances may be or um, the short end of the stick you may perceive to be had, you know, if you um, have that ultimate confidence in yourself um, and you prepare um, as if it's your last opportunity to do what you love, then you'll be prepared every time you step on the field. Close back to back weeks and some big plays. Is mm -hmm. there a conversation that you guys have, or is it just you know with reps you're going to get on the same page? Yeah, with, with the reps, we'll 100% get on the same page. You know, there's always conversations we're having, man. Like, Zach's awesome um, because, you know, as a tight end, he's, he's, we're always texting each other like different looks from the defense, like, hey, what are you thinking here? Hey, Josh, what are, what are you thinking? Just to stay on the same page. And so we're going to hit those. And, and we know that. We came on the sideline. We said that. We then came back and we hit some big plays um, on some other um, actions down the field. And so there'll be plays to be had, and we'll be able to execute on them as we continue to grow in our relationship together. Being with Israel last year and now, of course, him being here this year, how much has he helped? in terms of this you know, transition coming here? Yeah, Izzy's been my guy, man. Uh, he's been awesome. Uh, just, you know, first guy I talked to um, when I knew I was coming to Arizona and getting diving into the playbook, figuring out what's, what's different, what's the changes that have been added here. And then coming, uh, getting to Arizona, man, like we're always in the film room, just whether it's, you know, talking ball, talking life, whatever it is, he's been, he's been just a great, mentor, great coach, great person to, to have in my life, especially through all this transition, but also in preparation of getting ready for Sunday. So um, I've been blessed, man. Like Izzy's awesome. He's my guy. Um, and the relationship we had is great to be able to talk ball, um, get ready to play on Sundays, and then obviously the emotions of just life off the field. Have you had any relationships with Dak over the years? And I don't know if you're aware, but you were both selected with the same exact pick. Yeah, no, I, I was I was aware of that. Um, yeah, we, we spent time together at the Manning Passing Academy. Um, myself going to my junior year, he was a year ahead of me, so him going to um, his senior year, as well as um, we were both at SEC Media Day. So we crossed, we crossed paths. Like, QB World um, isn't too big, especially both being from the SEC and similar errors. Um, so yeah, you know, we've crossed paths over time. I wouldn't say we've crossed paths a ton, like since being in the NFL, but back in college, yeah, we crossed paths a couple times. Yeah, I am. You have to remind yourself sometimes, you know, to have fun, right? There's a lot, a lot of stuff going on. Um, but man, yeah, I'm having a blast. Um, we'll have more fun winning without a doubt. Um, but yeah, I'm having fun. I'm enjoying it. So who was the bet with? Who's the bet? Uh, DJ Humphreys. Yeah. I'd, uh, He'd probably be upset I didn't wear the whole interview, but I'm sure he won't watch the whole interview. So <laughs> as, long, as long as someone posts the video, I think we'll be all right. He's had an interesting uh, path to get where he is. You know, it's definitely not uh, ideal and definitely not what he, what he wanted. You can hear, you know, how humble he is about it and, and uh, obviously a super knowledgeable dude. And then, of course, what at the, 
the beginning and the end kind of ties it all together. So he comes in, and uh, you hear him say, "You know, I won't. I I'll wear it into the uh, a press conference, but I won't wear it for the presser." Well, we, obviously there was a bet between DJ Humphreys, who played at Florida, and uh, Josh Dobbs, who played at Tennessee. Um, Tennessee was, uh, the loser of that game. And, uh, so he, uh, he being Josh Dobbs came into the presser wearing a Florida Gators jersey, took it off underneath it was, uh, his Cardinals, uh, some Cardinals gear. And then of course, at the end was asked about it, you know, who was the bet against. And, uh, of course it, you know, DJ Humphreys, um, I say, of course, but uh, it it does make sense when when uh, you uh, you know break it down that way. Um, so just some f- friendly banter. Can't wait to hear from uh, DJ if it you know when he speaks to media. He he'll probably uh, speak sometime soon, um, and they'll ask him if he saw the whole press conference and. You know about the bet. I I cannot wait for DJ's response. I cannot wait. Um, as of right now, we'll uh, listen in on uh, Paris Johnson Jr. in front of his uh, his locker. What do you think, if anything? What do you think this team might have learned from the second half last week? Nick Rollis talked about. Okay, you know, you guys played really well at times, but you know. This league is about finishing. What do, what do you think was learned in that game? Right. I mean, I think you said it best. Like, I think the, um, the lesson of the game was that we just have to finish strong. You know what I mean? You can't you can't start fast and then you can't you not we finish on top. You know. So what do you see in this Dallas defense? It's rated number one in virtually every category in the league right now. What's that? What do you see in the Dallas defense? They're like number one in every category right now. I mean, honestly, like, I, like I'm very excited to play this opponent. You know, you watch on film and you respect them, and you see the kind of the the, the, the personnel they have. I think I, I think it's, I think it's a great group, but also it's an awesome opportunity to compete. So I'm I'm looking forward to being out there. You know. What makes Micah Parsons Micah Parsons? Um, I mean, he's a special player. I've known him. I've known him since high school. You know, um, I met him. I met him at the opening finals in Dallas. So we've already exchanged some light trash talking since uh, since I was um, senior in high school. So and um, we've been cool since. So I think for me, this is a matchup that um, that I think we've, we've both been talking about for a while. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to it. When you look at his skill set, his toolbox, if you will, what what stands out? I mean, is it is it does he literally have everything? I mean, I think I mean I, I think he does have a, a blend of everything. You know, he's very athletic. He he, he bends well. He is his good footwork. I think you know, in a pass rusher, he 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 has everything you want. You know what I mean? And he has a hot motor. There's not a lot of guys that have a motor, and and they're very athletic and they're as gifted as him. But you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm glad because I'm around a, a good group of guys here, and I feel like you know I'm just equally talented and as I have a hot motor too. So um, you know, I'm I'm I'm. I'm really excited to, to go against him. Has the first two weeks in the NFL been everything you thought it would be? Have you learned anything interesting? Like, oh, I didn't expect that. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the biggest thing in the league, I think, is just the, the time, the time of um, like the, the the turnaround from game to game. You know, it's not like you're starting out with uh, Indiana and then you transition to Western Kentucky, where you feel like you may have two to three weeks on your next. A big opponent, you know what I mean. You're going right from Washington to the Giants to the Cowboys, 
So I feel like just the, the, the turnaround as far as the discipline and your the routine and stuff like that, um, it's instant. It's as soon as you're taking the gloves and the tape off after the game, your mindsets are already shifting. All right, let me get the jump on my film study that, that same Sunday if you're playing in the morning. So I feel like just that mental transition is faster. So his last year at Penn State, was that your first year at Ohio State? That was my first year at Ohio State, yet he opted out because of COVID. So that would have been um, our first year playing in college for together. Okay. So you've yeah. never actually squared off against I've each other? Never squared up with him. No, I haven't. I haven't. But, you know, um, we, we communicate, we text over years and stuff like that. He was trying to get me to come to Penn State okay. um, and stuff like that. Like when I was a recruit at Ohio State, he would come over to the sideline where the recruits were and he's like, this is why you should come to Penn State. I'm about to show you. And then Ohio State would go and whoop up on Penn State. And then he'd be like, well, I had a good game. And I'm bad. Yeah, I know. I saw you do your thing, but um, you know, he's a, I always mess with him because he always wanted to go to Ohio State, um, but it, it, it didn't work out that way. But he always wanted, he always wanted to be a Buckeye, so I always gave him a hard time for that. And then you guys crossed paths. You said in, in Dallas, or what? What was? What, uh, yeah, we, yeah, we were in Dallas. We were actually in the Cowboys facility. We were in the Cowboys, okay. that, yeah, because that's where they have the opening finals. Oh, I so see. I was down there. Um, he was at Penn State at the time. Okay. So um, he was brought down as a coach. You know, he was down there. Chase Young was down there. Okay. There was a lot of like Andrew Thomas. I think I think Andrew Thomas was down there. But you know, there was a lot of the top guys were all down there at the same time. All right. Let's go ahead and move on to our last player and Jonathan Ledbetter. You and I talked in the preseason about you being a leader and, and trying to do you do you have to try and keep things together when other veterans are going down like that? Uh, absolutely. Um, I mean, you got to kind of have that kind of vet savvy to you and uh, just kind of keep everything calm, even, you know, if things might be, you know, kind of going crazy right now. But it's not even crazy, you know, injuries happen in the league. And like I said, it's next man up type of league. So uh, we're doing exactly that. You know, the next men are going to be up for this game, and they're going to be ready to play, and they're going to go out there and do well. You, uh, JG has made a big deal about how much he likes Nick Rollis and how much they like the rotation, yeah. which you didn't get to have as much rotation. Uh, like, Did you start getting gas at the end of the game? Um, yeah, I definitely um, felt it towards the end of the game there and um, going into the second half, and I kind of think that was evident um, and kind of the way we played. and. Um, we just got to be more conditioned, more endurance. You know, like I said, stuff happens in the line of fire and line of duty of football. You just got to be prepared and be able to respond. And um, personally, I, I felt, you know, a little bit kind of messed up myself being a little bit fatigued out there. So I got to do better as an older guy and an older leader. You know, no matter what happens, no matter how many plays you got to play, I got to be able to play them to the best of my ability. No problem. So what do you see in this uh, Dallas offense? They put up some numbers the last couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, I mean, they got a good football team. That's what it is. Um, but it's not really about them. It's about us. Um, we know we can put it together. We know we can play some good football. And we got to go do that on Sunday. Um, I was just speaking on it, man. Um, it's next man up. Um, we got guys in the room. We believe we can play. Um, and we're going to put them out there and put them in the best position to be successful. And um, they're hungry, man. So, you know, we got young guys who want to play. And, we're going to let them get an opportunity. I guess welcome more snaps. I mean, everybody's got to play. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, welcome, man. We, like, we got a good rotation going. Um, last game, it kind of a little bit messed up just because of what happened and when it happened during the game and with the injuries. But um, we're just going to keep going, man, and keep the ball rolling and just keep keep rotating and keep guys fresh so we can play effectively. Um, I don't even think it's so much as about Dallas. I mean, like we, we just got to finish the football game. Um, you know, we got to execute our stuff and play our scheme, but not only do it for you know 
two quarters. We got to finish the football game and play for four quarters as a football team. Is there a lesson learned, do you think? It's a pretty young team. you think there was a lesson learned at all in that second half? Or, or oh, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like the taste in everybody's mouth was um, the same when we walked in here. Um, you know, we know what we should be and where we should be, and uh, we just got to do everything in our power to make sure we get there. Um, and, you know, we saw how we came up short in both of those games that we played already. And um, we've been playing some good football, but we just got to put it all together and finish it and uh, play complimentary football, offense, defense, special teams, and also for four quarters. There's a sign that says, please return your dishes. Is somebody not returning their dishes? I got two dishes right here, <laughs> but they're from today, so. <laughs> so it's you. Thanks, man. Thanks, Sean. No Thanks, Sean. All right, that's all the players. Uh, last thing we'll talk about is just uh, what I mentioned earlier. Um, if somehow, some way, Cardinals uh, can uh, get a win over the Cowboys, which would be very impressive considering the Cowboys are uh, leading in a lot of categories, especially defensively, um, they can uh, you know win win the heart of of the fans. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bigly Blast. You don't need to watch The Lion King to know that life comes full circle. Just check out your NFL franchise. On September 12, 1988, the Cardinals played their first regular season home game in the state of Arizona, and the debut came against the Cowboys, and Cardinal players were stunned when they emerged from the tunnel at Sun Devil Stadium and were lost in a sea of silver and blue. In fact, that night, three of our new stars, Vaisikahema, Roy Green, and Stump Mitchell ran onto the field together, and they were roundly booed. Welcome to Arizona, folks, and some 25 years later, we're back in the twilight zone. And that's because Sunday's game against Dallas will feel the same way. The Cowboys are one of the better teams in the NFL. The Cardinals are trying to embark on a new era, and the stadium will be overrun with Cowboy fans. It has the makings and the markings of a hellscape night nightmare in Arizona. But it's also a great opportunity for this new team and regime because if the Cardinals can be stout and stoic and stand tall in the midst of this incoming maelstrom, they might win over our hearts, maybe even shame the profiteers, enabling all these infidels that have turned the Red Sea into the Dead Sea. Anyway, back in 1988, Gene Stallings was the Cardinals head coach, and he once said the funny thing about respect is that it's not given it has to be earned Jonathan Gannon's crew will certainly get that chance on Sunday all right today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable find them online at chapmanbmw.com circle of life circle of life Simba and, and not Savania you want to sing that for us Jared <laughs> Alright, do you wanna do you wanna know what else uh people were saying about our football team in nineteen eighty eight since this Sunday really is sort of a full circle franchise moment for the franchise? I was at that game, Beck. Were you really? I okay, was. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this. This is tw- this is thirty five years ago. Oh, yes. I said twenty five? No, I'm just doing the math in my own head. Oh, no, I messed that up. No, wait, eighty eight, twelve, and twenty three. Thirty five. You're right. Yeah. Thirty five years ago. My bad. 
Fact error. Fact error. I appreciate you trying to make it only 20. <laughs> it feels like, no, 20 years ago should be five years ago. Should be the 80s. Okay. The New York Times did a story in advance of this football game. And I went back and I read it, and that was fascinating. You want to hear a couple of highlights mm. of what was going on? Please, this, I love this stuff. In this sports market 35 years ago, as this football team comes full circle. This was so long ago, the New York Times still had a sports desk. Babe, quote, for weeks... The club was the league's laughingstock for having an unlisted telephone number because of a complicated mess over tickets. When the defunct Arizona Outlaws of the United States Football League folded, Outlaws season ticket holders, about 11,800 of them, were promised first crack at season tickets if an NFL franchise ever came to Phoenix. In addition, 53,000 Arizona State University season ticket holders demanded first crack at season tickets since the Cardinals were using the school stadium. That left other fans irate. That was what's... A.S., you had 53,000 seats of ticket holders. (laughs) Wow. Isn't that something? So so this is what was being talked about back then. This, This grab, this wild land grab for Cardinal tickets. They belong to us. We get first dibs. No, you don't. We do. It's our stadium. No, it's not. It's ours. Yeah, it wasn't the smoothest move to a new mm-hmm. city. Considering, too, that not only did it start with a, sh- a handshake deal. Hey, you'll, you come to Phoenix, you'll get a new stadium. They had to wait 18 years for that to become a reality. Next paragraph from the New York Times. Quote, another scrap unfolded when nine Tempe city officials found themselves in court for a deal made in a secret meeting that allowed the Cardinals' use of a city parking lot in exchange for 20-season tickets. And just last week, more controversy arose when Arizona state officials banned beer at the stadium and in tailgate parties for tonight's game because it's being played on a school night. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you love that? What was the thinking that, on that is what, if we were doing a radio show in 1980, these would be the topics we'd be talking about today. <laughs> Yeah, I, some of that uh, vague reminders, but yeah, at that and that the transition to the play that anybody who was at that game remembers a single play that stands out as the early dis, uh, kind of a a, mm. a symbol of the early dysfunction of the then Phoenix Cardinals, and that was right before halftime. The Cardinals attempting a field goal, and instead of kicking the field goal with Al Del Greco as their kicker. They attempted maybe the most cockamamie fake field goal that's mm-hmm. ever been conceived mm-hmm. because time had run out and the holder flipped the ball to the kicker, Aldell Greco, shoulder. over his shoulder with hopes that he would run 45 yards for a touchdown. Aldell Greco was a really good golfer, but not much of a uh, runner. No. What, what do you get? Of a, an athlete. What do you get? About 41, 42 yards? And uh, then that tackle? About 41 inches. Yeah. Oh, and everybody, <laughs> they, they went right. into the break, uh, and everybody was like, what just happened? Yeah. That's so funny that you were there. That was kind so of. So, do you remember how many Cowboys fans were there? There was a lot. I was going to. So, do you think that this Sunday. The Cowboys were garbage at that point, though, by the way. Okay. Will this be the worst ever, then? I think it might be. Given the fact that I don't how know. good the Cowboys are? I don't know. No? I mean,. The early 90s Super Bowl teams, when they came to Sun Devil Stadium, and I've said this before, and it was absolutely true, I could not, even as a Cardinal fan slash season ticket holder, I could not stomach to be in the facility because it was almost a 100% takeover. Because they were on the top of the world, and the Cardinals were still yeah. 
the laughing stock of the league at that point. I, it was listen, painful. So so I do think that in in that regard, I think this is an opportunity for Jonathan Gannon and this coaching staff. And yet there's another thing that has been pointed out because the early season um, effectiveness of the Cardinals, the lack, the fact that they're not an embarrassment, it's it's a thing. It's part of what's happening before our eyes. Uh, as has been pointed out, the first three games of Jonathan Gannon's head coaching career comes against teams that were in his division. Yes. So people are pointing out there's a reason why this team is 2-0 ATS, because there's familiarity here. So it's something to consider. But I, but I think if this Cardinals team can stand up strong and play a close, low-scoring game against this Cowboys team, then respect will be earned, not given. To go back to Gene Stallings. Exactly. I had no idea he came up with that for <laughs> Well, I'm sure he just kind of abridged it because he talked like he's from Louisville. Louisville. Right. He did. Kind of had that, uh, yeah, that yeah, southern kind of bubbly to, drawl. Yes. To Jared's point, though, it, it it's going to be jarring. Mm-hmm. And if you're headed to the stadium and you're wearing Cardinal Red, kudos to you. <laughs> I'm, I'm not telling you what to do with your tickets. What to do with your finances, but it it's going to be a pretty daunting challenge for the home team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Putting it mildly, <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, in in a number of ways, by the way. Well, you know, it goes deeper than that. And they kind of hinted it that you know the the Cardinals used to be in the NFC East when they were the Chicago Cardinals. So, you know that there is a bit of a rival against uh um the cowboys and of course so many cowboys fans uh in phoenix um you know in in and around the area and of course uh i don't know how many are now now that the raiders but you know some uh nevada had some cardinals fans being so close but um and as well some dallas fans dallas fans kind of if you don't have a NFL team because of state, then um, uh, then you know Dallas kind of becomes your default team because of proximity and all that stuff. So it, it's it would be definitely a big big deal. Um, uh, last but not least, we'll go ahead and uh, hear from Kenny Dillingham and uh, ASU. And uh, that will be next on Big Sky Sports Talk. All right, to wrap up everything, we'll get talk some ASU and uh, Kenny Dillingham after Wednesday's practice spoke to the media. Um, and I'm sure they will ask, hey, uh, you you've devoted more time to the offense. How's everything looking? I thought they just brought energy. I thought their, their urge, sorry, my voice is gone. Their uh, urgency was high. I thought their urgency to get lined up, their urgency to see the signal, their urgency to communicate, right, was better. Were there a few things that we still demonstrated that we didn't get applied? Yes, that's why you practice, right? You practice to clean those up. Eventually, really good teams can take it from the meeting room, you walk through it, and they apply it. Right now, it's meeting room, walk through it, mess it up, then apply it. We got to eventually get to skip that step. But the urgency was there. 
How much does belief play into a game like this and a week of preparation like this going up against USC? Belief, you can pick your word. If you don't expect to win every game, you got a problem. I don't care if I'm playing Michael Jordan in basketball. I'm not playing him to lose. Otherwise, why would I, why would I play? I'm not just going to play because it's fun. No, what's fun is competing to win. So you're playing to win. That's it. And if you don't, whatever happens after the game, it doesn't matter. You then watch the tape and you get better and you grow and you get better and you grow and get better. And eventually, right, Saturday nights are going to feel better. But if you don't take the field and you expect to win the football game, something's wrong. You should expect to win. You, you should, that's, otherwise, you shouldn't be on the field. Coach, how do you contain Caleb Williams? <laughs> I mean, you can't. You can't. You have to limit it. Right? You have to limit it. You have to, when you're, when you're there to make a play, you have to limit it. To say you're going to stop him is almost unrealistic. The goal should be to limit him. Limit the explosive plays. Don't let him get comfortable and in a rhythm. Right? Don't bust and give them open people for him to get in a rhythm. But to say you're going to stop right, Caleb Williams, I, I, that's, that's tough to do. The goal is to limit him, get them off schedule, right? get them in a position, get out to the, get after the passer while still being able to keep coverage right, for him. And when you get to him, contain him. He's the master at pump fake evade. He feels pressure. He waits, he waits, he waits. Right? And he's like a boxer, counterpunch. Right, he's elite at that. So we have to know what he's going to do before he do does it. That sounds easy. Really, really hard. <laughs> he's a really good football player. On the other side of that, I mean, I know you obviously you want your ends to be aggressive, obviously set an edge, but what's the balance there of not making sure they're too over-aggressive? Yeah, you got to create pressure on the quarterback, one. Two, we got to find schemes that then try to contain him, two. But if you don't create pressure, he is not a running quarterback. Don't, I hope nobody believes that. He is a pocket passer that can evade. Like, that's his MO. He's a pocket quarterback that can then extend plays. So you have to take away his ability in the pocket one and then try to contain him too. There's 12 people catching a pass in basically every game for USC. What, uh, what's the mindset for the secondary? Yeah, those 12 people don't catch the game early in games. They catch the game later in games. So they got about four to five guys, four guys mainly, who are their main targets that you got to try to stop and you got to try to take out of the game. With a guy like Caleb, is there a line you have to walk of showing everything he can do but not potentially gassing him too much that he's almost like larger than life for the guys that are going up against him? No. Nope. Understand who you're playing. You're playing a really good player. You're playing a player that if you're not disciplined, he's going to tear you apart. If you don't stay in your rush lanes, if you don't track the outside hip when you're a pass rusher, if you're blitzing and you fall for a pump fake when he pump fakes when you're a free runner, if you don't understand that that's who you're playing, you're playing one of the savviest players in college football, somebody who they gets free people at him all the time, and who makes that guy miss. If you don't understand that, then you're going to go out there and you're going to look like a fool. You better understand who you're playing versus. This is an elite player. This is a savvy player. This is a guy who can hurt you from the pocket, hurt you out of the pocket. This is a guy who has unbelievable poise when you blitz him. So you better not fall for the pump fakes. You better not go to the wrong shoulder when you're blitzing him. You better know when you're blitzing his blind side, he's going to try to get out of there and reverse out and have a plan for that. And you better expect that he's going to make plays because when he does, you got to respond. So I don't think gassing him up too high is bad. I think our kids understanding exactly who he is is uh, what we should do. I mentioned the 
guys often showing up 10 minutes early to start the week, and then today was a good practice. Do you see this as a trend or, or, or something that guys are responding well to after adversity, or how do you see that? Overall? Yeah, I think the guys are just, they don't like not being good. <laughs> I think that's a good thing. Like human nature, you don't do well. There's two types of people. There's people who fold and quit, which is half of the world right now. Then there's people who compete, compete, compete to try to be better. Our guys are doing the latter right now, and I'm super proud of it. And guess what? I don't know for sure that the results are going to be shown Saturday. I hope they do. I don't know. But I can see the results right now in practice, and the results are happening. The results are happening. Whether the world sees them, who knows? But I see them, and that's all that matters, is that I know our football team is getting in the, going in the direction that it's supposed to go. Does that feel good for you as a coach then to see the guys buying into the mindset you're trying to instill? Yeah, it's awesome. I've been here before. I've been, I keep saying I've been here at Florida State. I've started on an 0 4 team that lost to Jacksonville State, finished right in four. They won nine games the next year. Now they're a top three team, right? We started like one and four in year one, one and three in year one. We had two quarterbacks go out. We were down to our third quarter, but I have been in this seat. I, that's why it's comfortable, right? You just got to stay the course. Stay the course and keep working. And don't get rattled by the outside noise. Stay focused on getting better every single day and being successful in everything you do. And eventually, eventually, Saturdays are going to show up. Coach, I think this will be the 40th meeting all time with USC. Do you have any favorite memories of watching this series growing up, coaching against them in the past? Well, my favorite memory is I was in the box with the jail Mary. So that was pretty fun. That was unbelievable. One of the most unbelievable things I've ever been part of. So well, that was definitely my favorite too busy every once in a while you know two to three times a year we'll exchange text but I mean when you're you know you're up here a lot so uh, it's just part of it you just don't have much time I'm sure you know about a Lincoln Riley's variation of counter plays I think I saw someone call it a, a modern day triple option from someone who ran a lot of counters at Oregon had success with that how hard is it to sort of flip your brain around to try to defend that and how do you defend it yeah he's been running that since uh OU yeah. That's been a staple of what he's done for a long time. The split back counter, A and uh, the H and the flat, whatever you want to call that position in the flat. Uh, very common. He does it now more with the wide receivers than he did at OU when he had some split backs guys. Get him more out of the split back gun. But now it's just more wide receiver driven in the backfield, which is smart because he's he's playing basketball on grass, which is we're going to put a wide out in the backfield and create a bigger structure than the people we have on. It's like putting a point guard in the post. How are you going to guard him? You're going to guard him with a point guard? Well, our point guard is bigger than you. You're not used to playing point guard and post. Right? So similar thought process. He's a great mind. He's a phenomenal football coach. And he's super creative and puts his players in the best position to be successful. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. Well, you can tell he, uh, he, he he's passionate. You know, just about every day. Uh, you know, press conference throughout the week after practice. He's he's running horse. Uh, that was a little bit more than than I've I've heard so far. Um, I like what I'm hearing from you know what his his time and and being with the offense. He said, "Can we get better? Absolutely, we can." But um, you know, we're, we we did a lot of things right uh, today, and. Uh, you should always, of course, strive to get better. So there's a lot uh, that uh, he's um, a lot that he's uh, um, 
you know, doing, I guess so you, you say, I, I don't know, trying to think of the right word, uh, but, uh, obviously a lot, lot going on. Um, that is everything I have on ASU. That's everything I have on the show. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to watch the Diamondbacks um, on uh, ESPN Plus uh, later on today. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pretty pumped up, uh, especially since a good group of people can watch it. A lot, a lot of people have ESPN Plus. Not, it's not everybody. It's not nationally televised. It's not like it's on ESPN, per se. Um, but... Uh, I'm excited for the D-backs to have that exposure. Um, so yeah, uh, today should be a pretty good day. Have the day off, uh, running around and doing doing some personal things, but I'm uh, I'm excited. Hopefully, you guys uh, uh, remain entertained by uh, what what we're doing over here at Big Sky Sports Talk. And um, if you like to get um, Get a couple words in on it, and let me know how we're doing. Uh, give your thoughts and opinions on uh, what we what we talk about. Feel free to shoot in an email, Big Sky Sports Talk at gmail.com. Uh, simple and easy. You can shoot a, a direct message if you want, if that's uh, easier or better for you. Um, on uh, Instagram and tick, uh, TikTok, Instagram. Well, you can shoot a message on uh, TikTok if you want to. The, the the inbox there, but direct message. Uh, there's a messenger on uh, um, Instagram and Facebook at Big Sky Sports Talk. And I mentioned TikTok. We're at Big Sky Sports Talk there and YouTube at Big Sky Sports Talk. Simple, easy, fast, uh, convenient way to find the show. Um, listening to the show, very easy as well. Uh, please hit the uh, subscribe button and uh, the bell notification so you don't miss out. But we're on uh, Apple, Spotify, uh, Google iHeartRadio, uh, Amazon Music, um, just about everywhere. Um, plenty of options. So I hope you uh, guys find us and, and listen and spread the word. Uh, until tomorrow, I appreciate it. Thanks. <laughs>